Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. I thank you, Lord, for my birth and everything that's followed. I thank you, Lord, for today, and I will pray for tomorrow. I thank you, Lord, for the love of my life and a friend. I made a promise, and I'm loving my wife to the end. I thank you, Lord, for your guidance, because it's all that counts. And right here, right now, Lord, this is your house. I thank you, Lord, for a dream that came true to light. And I ask you to bless everybody in this room tonight. I don't always do the right thing, and I ask you to forgive me, because I need you here with me. Without you in my life, it's empty. I think back how some people did me like violence was the remedy. And because I think of that now, I pray for my enemy. Not because of what I'll do, but because they don't know. There's something better after here, but everybody won't go. So I ask you to forgive them, and we'll hope they see. And I thank you for the love that they've given to me. I will not abuse it, nor will I lead them astray. You see, I love them like children that I see every day. And I pray, no, we pray together. Get us through the bad weather, and we love you forever. Let your thought and my heart go hand in hand. I first thought, but to start, but I stand a man. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, and my homie, Will T. Ray Jeezy is out. Also, make sure you know this. We are part of Ampire Media, so check us out there, too, as well. Ampire Media hosts multiple DMV uh, sports podcast uh, shows, such as the John Kahn Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Football Insider, Washington Football Team Insider, Insider John Kime and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today's Insider Mike Jones. Will T, man, DMX, he things are going on, man. I had to play the prayer, bro. Man, um, when you heard the news, what did you think, man? I know we were rapping a little bit. Uh, unfortunate, man. Uh, I, you know, I hope he pulls through, mm-hmm. but it seems as if you know his substance abuse problem from the report was reported that his substance abuse problems may have gotten the best of him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, DMX has been very public over the years with his uh, substance abuse issues. So I'm wishing the best for the dog. Me personally, you know, Mm -hmm. 1998, when it's dark and hell is hot came out, I was like, oh my God, this is such a a change from what was out, you know, during that, from the prior period, Mm -hmm. you know, was when, bad boy and puffy they were running everything and not to say they weren't making good music yeah because they were but it was more uh commercial more radio but dmx came back he bought it the sound was gritty he, you know the content was gritty so very unfortunate but i'm hoping he pulls through yeah just like you man and my, my prayer his, he, him and it, 
him and his family are in my prayers. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. Um, just, just, just like like you stated, it was to me it was just like back in '98 when I, I got that's like the first album I actually bought. You know, CD I bought like with my own money, and because I heard him, I you know, that was you the heard, first CD you bought? yo, that was the first CD I actually I ever bought, bro. Like, wow, yeah, man, like so. He just he just inspired off the bat. He inspired me like as soon as I heard him on a feature. And then when I heard that album, yo, like that album had to be one of the most dopest albums I've ever heard in my life, dude. Because I start like Ray noticed. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not ashamed to tell anybody like growing up, you know, my artist for real was like Michael Jackson. Like that's the dude that my parents gravitated me toward. So it was, you know, basically listen to pop like listen to Mike. And then, you know, and then listening to Pac, it was like, oh, snap, this dude is like that. Because I like emotional I like dudes who put their emotions into it, like you can feel it. So when I heard D, I was like, "Yo, this dude is insane." So what? After like listening to DMX and then just you know that album, like that that album that you were referring to, Will, like, yo, when what one they gave us, he gave us nothing but classics throughout that whole album. And then second, we got the LL Cool J Cannabis Disc Joint with it. I was like, bruh. <laughs> Like that album was everything to me, but that was like, yeah, that was my first album I ever bought, man. Real talk. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> nah, I, I just remember that. No, that that intro, those bells. Oh man. Doom doom. <laughs> oh my god. Made you feel alive when you heard that. It did man. Then you're the anthem. It, it was so, that's just that whole album, man. The, the way he set it up, and then he hits you with a prayer like towards the end of the album. Oh my god, man. That was. I mean, deep. I mean, like I'm with you, man. Just. Prayer up, prayer ups to DMX and his family, man, because uh, he definitely is in terms of a, a musical genius. In his heyday, man, when it, when it was all good, like to me, there was nobody better at that time. For real, like in his heyday, it was nobody better at that time. Uh, but subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Tune In, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Uh, just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about guard Brandon Sheriff rejecting the Washington football team's offer. Sports Journeys Washington football team reporter Lake Lewis Jr. will jump on the show to discuss this at 825. Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats will join us to talk about the Nats' interesting start to the season. The Nats are one and up with a walk-off win uh, due to Juan Soto. At 8:38, we'll talk about Baylor beating Gonzaga to win the NCAA College Basketball National Championship. Then finally, nuts and bolts sports. Patrick Waring uh, will join us to talk about Kudis Wahab reportedly transferring to Maryland from Georgetown. He's a traitor. Uh, but first, right now we have. Former USA Today's senior Washington football reporter and current Sports Journey Washington football team reporter Lake Lewis Jr. on the line. What's up, Lake? What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Good, man. Nothing much. You're doing great, man. How about yourself? I can't complain. Can't complain. Just uh, another day, another day. Just <laughs> listening to you guys uh, talk about DMX. Yeah, you know, that's a messed up situation. Mm-hmm. It really is. But uh, that guy got a lot of us through with some great music over yeah. the years. So, yeah, prayers up for him and his family. What's your favorite DMX song? Man, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so many. I mean, you know, <laughs> obviously everybody knows X going to give it to you. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I like where the hood at. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just it's I mean Rough Riders anthem. You know, it's just so many. Um, you know what these women want. You know, I can't say that. <laughs> you can say it. Why not? <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Same old look, 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 I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, we playing. We gonna play a lot of explicit stuff because of X. So you can if you want to. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, actually, if it's one of the songs that I remember vividly that I used to ride to um, was because I um, I never forget my first SUV was a uh, was a Lincoln um, Nav and. I got these monitors put in the, um, you know, obviously you got the monitors in the back headsets, but see, I had monitors in the visors when you folded them down in mm. the front. And I oh, used to, I, I used to, I literally, oh yeah, man, I was a little ahead of the time, but you know, I used to, um, I used to like record videos mm. and I would put it in my DVD player in the car and just like literally have watch videos from my visor. <laughs> and I shouldn't be saying that because, we supposed to have our eyes on the road, but you know. But anyway, one of the videos, one of the first videos I had recorded was Slippin'. Oh man. And that I mean, that song was was incredible, man. It really was. So yeah, I know just a little side story, you know, how like I said, you know, people don't realize that this guy, um, you know, obviously had, you know, just the substance abuse issues, things like that. But he would talk about it, you know, and he was outward about, you know, that and and helped a lot of people, uh, you know, who had those problems. And and for and for those of us who are, you know, straight, drug free, all that stuff, it might be hard for people like us to say they don't understand how somebody could do that to themselves. But, you know, that's a that's a real issue Mm -hmm. that, you know, if anything positive can come out of this. Um, hopefully it's an eye opener for a lot of people who have those kind of issues to seek help if they need it. Well, most people have a issue. Their issue isn't, you know, the illegal drugs, it's the phone. So if they can't sympathize or empathize with DMX and his, uh, addiction, they should just look themselves in the mirror because most of Americans, we are addicted to our cell phones and other electricity. An electronic, um, to uh, electronic, you know, like, um, iPads or iPhones, but. Well, listen, everybody anyway, has a Yeah, everybody yeah, has Yeah, Wole. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a DMX story for you once we get towards the end of the show that I want to share. <laughs> you want to share? But. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to share. Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's just, it's an experience I had. Okay. I hope I'm, um, all right. Okay. I want, I want to see how that goes. I want, I want yeah, how that no, goes. No, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing explicit or anything like that. All right, that. cool. All right, yeah. I trust you. Then I trust you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get started. Let's get started late. All right. All right um, let's go. It's been reported go. that guard, all pro guard, Brandon Sheriff has declined a deal with the Washington Football Team that would make him the highest paid guard in football. What are you hearing? What do you think the sheriff wants from Washington? I mean, I've heard that as well, and. um you, you know, I've again, I'm not going to say I've had exclusive talks with Brandon and stuff like that, but just over the time he's been here, you know, he, he's one of those those rare guys that's, you know, he's a little different. But at the end of the day, you know, him and him and Morgan, and you know, Morgan's my guy, him and Morgan are pretty tight. So we talk a lot in the, in the locker room and, and it's most time it's not even football. It's just, you know, just here, 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 or, or 
here nor there type stuff, you know. But with all that said, I kind of think what's going on right now is it's not necessarily all about the money with mm-hmm. Brandon. I just think, you know, not that I think, I'm pretty confident in saying this. When you're a player that's been here for several years and you've seen how dysfunctional this place has been, and then you you have a year like last year where he's outward out of his own mouth had said he really enjoys what Ron Rivera's doing and it was the best year of his pro career. You know, not just in terms of just playing, but as far as the team, you know, as far as how they played with each other for each other and they won their division. So I think, you know, in a, for a player like that who's, you know, perhaps the best at his position, if not one of the top two or three at his position, he needs to see that again. You know, he needs not just so much winning, but he needs to see that this is real, you know, and that everything that we all seem to think is happening as far as a complete turnaround. Um, you know, you want to make sure you're a player, as a player, you're playing for a contender. You're playing for a team that really is on the up and up. And, um, you know, so for him to get franchised again, you can't cry for him because, you know, that's a 20% increase from last year because he was franchised last year. Last year, $15 million. This year, he's going to make over $18 million. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, so it, it, it's safe for everybody. Um, so, again, for him to turn down, perhaps turn down something that would have made him the highest-paid player or, or, or guard in, in football, you know, again, sometimes guys want to make money and win. Sometimes guys are willing to take less money to win. So I think with him, he just wants to see, you know, how this thing folds, unfolds again. Well, you, you brought up a couple of interesting points, Lake. Do you think, you, and I want to circle back to something you said, you said that out of his own mouth, Brandon Sheriff said that he probably had his best year of football, his best year of professional football last year under Ron Rivera. Um, do you think he's just doing, he's just playing, he's going to play the tag game because he knows that, you know, okay, I can make $18 million this year. And if they were to tag me again for a third time, they would have to pay me a 44% increase over this year's salary. So do you think he just, you know, he saw the landscape, he saw how uh, his former teammate uh, Kirk Cousins did it. He saw how Dak Prescott played the game. Do you think it's just a situation where maybe Brandon Sheriff is saying, okay, I know I'm one of the best at my position. I'm just going to take the tag these two years, and then next year I'll sign a long-term contract. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a fair point, and I think it's a great point. And I think because football is so different from baseball and basketball where you have these guaranteed massive contracts, football, you don't have that. So players need to get all the guaranteed money they can get. You know, that's why back in the day those signing bonuses were so big in the NFL. Guys were like, man, you can pay me $2 million a year, even though I'm worth 15 16 but if, you know, you sign me to a, a $16 million deal and 14 is guaranteed, and I'm playing for you. And that's pretty much what these tags are now. So, you know, at the end of the day, by tagging a player, you're saying to them that you're clearly a franchise player for us and we value that way. So we're going to tag you and not lose your services while we figure out a long-term deal. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined – if I were a GM, I'd try to get a guy locked up after that second tag. I think two tags is the way it's going to start going for a lot of players. Um, and then after that second one, you, you really can't afford to go into a third. It's just like with Dallas. They would have been silly 
to franchise Dak Prescott again because at the end of the day, once you add those three years up, that's 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 what you could have had in a, you you could have had in a contract that kept your salary cap at bay. So I think the same thing is going on here right now with Brandon. They're okay giving him a second year tag, but there won't be a third year tag. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. I I will professionally say that that's not happening. <laughs> so he will either be here or he won't. Um, but there won't be a third tag. I think he'll be here long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I just think that the guy wants to see that everything is real and that you know this team will be competitive and keep building in the right direction. And there's no reason for us to believe that they're not after the moves we've seen uh, being made. Well, like you know, this fan base is is kind of crazy at times. A lot of fans are are annoyed that he didn't sign. Once they heard that he didn't sign a deal that was going to make him the highest paid guard, folks went insane. Uh, and now they're thinking like, oh, we should trade Brandon Sheriff. So do you think the no. Washington football team, if they don't come with a deal, do you think they should entertain trading Brandon Sheriff? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even consider it. I mean, now if a team came calling and said, hey, we give you two first rounders for this guy and a, and a you know, a first and a third and some other a player, you listen. But is that player that you're getting – and that first and third guaranteeing you that you're going to get an all-pro guard, starting guard. And let's face it, this team, you can count all the players that we, we've had to hype as great here in the local media, and no offense to those players. But I have been saying for years, and sometimes people don't like hearing me saying it, but even at the quarterback position, this franchise has never had – let me rephrase that because – um, I mean, in modern day, Sammy Ball was a franchise quarterback. Yes, okay, <laughs> if you really want to go there. But outside of Sammy Ball, they've never had a franchise quarterback ever for this team. Franchise isn't one great year. Franchise is that guy's under center for six, seven, eight years, okay? Um, Brandon Scherf is the first all-pro this team has had since 1996, and that person back in 1996 was a punter. It was Matt Turk. <laughs> so this team, contrary to what people think, they've had very good players, but they never had that player that across the league, everybody knew you better come with it when you play against that guy. Now look at this roster from this year. They've got a couple players that are going to start getting that kind of accolades. Chase Young jumps right out the mind. So we're not talking – you know, just Brandon, and that's why the team has to be smart here, because you've got some young guys that you know when their time comes, you are going to have to break the bank, literally. Um, you've got two on that defensive line in <laughs> Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and you don't want to disrupt that. So, you know, you, you by franchising Brandon, you can take your time now this year, figure out some things. More importantly, see what kind of product you put out on the field if this team wins, wins the division, gets in the, gets back in the playoffs, and they're still moving upward, I, there's no reason for me to believe that Brandon wouldn't want to be here. I mean, there absolutely would be no reason to think that. But right now, yeah, I think it's a 50-50 thing because mm-hmm. he's been here when it's been so bad. <laughs> you know, he needs to see that this is really going in the right direction. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene right now. We're rapping with Sports Journeys, Washington football team reporter, Lake Lewis Jr. Um, so, like, so, hmm. So, to, my question to you then, to, uh, Lake, is that if, say, say, 
like what would be for you what would be the price a, a real legitimate price tag a price or well compensate fair compensation for brandon sheriff i mean he's, he's got a the, the way things work i mean you know if you go back to the last guard to sign the most lucrative deal let's just go back to last year you know if you look at a contract Brandon Scherf's contract's not just going to have to supersede that. It's going to kind of have to up the, up the ante and up the bar for that position. And and so, again, this isn't just a Brandon Scherf, me, I want this money. Guys understand that they set a precedent. You guys know Kirk Cousins knew he set a precedent. Mm-hmm. And so so as opposed to other players around the league saying, man, that joker's getting how much money? He's not even that good. They don't think that way. They're like, damn, if he got that kind of money, imagine what kind of money I can get. So that's what this is kind of, you know, a situation too, where Brandon Sheriff's going to set a bar. He's going to set a precedent for offensive linemen. Look at what Trent Williams just did. When that contract, when he signed his contract with San Francisco three weeks ago, I think most people, the first thought was, he's 34. <laughs> he signed a six-year contract. He's not playing until he's 40. That's that's what most people thought. But at the end of the day, we know these two the first two years of that contract, that's where all that guaranteed money is. Mm. Trust me on that. So he's not getting $140 million. Mm. But I guarantee you the first two years of that deal, he's probably walking away with $40 million. <laughs> I don't see how he couldn't. So, again, that's where Brandon is. And he saw that Trent Williams contract, trust me. Although he's not a a left tackle, we understand their premium. Um, But at the end of the day, this guy's perhaps the best guard in football, and you're going to have to pay him accordingly. And I think Washington will. I don't think that's an issue. And I don't think the storyline is as bad as people are making it out to be. Because every time I look up, I'm seeing like such a gloom and doom story, guys, where it's like he didn't want to be here. He, 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 that, that ship has sailed. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I really don't. I just think it's a smart business move. And you got paid, you're getting paid more money this year. Just play it out and see what happens. Why not? Yeah, I agree. I think they definitely could play it out. He's too talented of an individual. Like you said, he's one of the best guards in the game. Hey, Lakeman, thanks for being on, my man. Let our listeners know what you have coming down the pike and how they can catch you on social media. And also tell them about your podcast. Uh, you can check me out, social media, um, on, on Twitter, at Lake Lewis Jr., on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Lake Lewis. And, you know, check out my podcast at uh, After Practice with Lake Lewis. So I'm pretty much... Um, you know, all the major podcast carriers. And then, of course, you can check out sportsjourney.com. And, uh, you know, I, I got some things coming up. I got to keep kind of quiet about it. But uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, probably probably about a week or so, I'll be making some announcements on some things. Dope, man. <laughs> Dope, my man. Hey, Lake, you know, I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully have you on again. You know it. <laughs> as, as always, all fellas. Right. Good right. being back on. All take care. All right. All right, take care, man. All right, take care, man. All right. Uh, Again, that was Lake Lewis. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Lake Lewis. All right. Talk Nats. Kevin Nibley will join us to talk about the interesting start of the Nat, of the Nats season after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Team. The ages. You dig? You're supposed to say deuces, bro. Are you messing up now? No, nah, I'm, 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 I'm waiting. For, I'm going to save the deuces for when we end the show. All right. All right. All right. Bet. All right. Now, okay. We're going to break now. <laughs> okay. 
see, to live, is to suffer. And to survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can dance. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. I've been through mad different faces, like Macy's, to find my way. And now I know that happy days are not far away. If I'm strong enough, I'll live long enough to see my kids. Doing something more constructive with the time than bitch. I know because I've been there, now I'm in there. Sit back and look at what it took for me to get there. First came the ball, the drama with my mama. She got on some flash, so I split and said that I'ma be that seed that doesn't need much to succeed. Strapped with mad greed, a heart that doesn't bleed. I'm ready for the world, or at least I thought I was. Bagging when I caught a bus, thinking about how short I was. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Wole and Will T. Ray Jeezy is out, part of Ampire Media. Will T. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on the line we have, as, as Wole said prior to break, on the line we have Kevin Nibley from uh, TalkNet. How you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing, well, doing great, doing mm-hmm. great, man. Appreciate you for being on, man. All right, Let's go ahead, Will. Go ahead, break it down, bro. I'm gonna start with you. Go ahead, Will. Nah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Washington had their <laughs> Washington had their season opener today against the Atlanta Braves. They won six five off of a walk off uh, ninth inning walk off hit by Juan Soto. Uh, Victor Robles came in to score. Um, so Kevin, excuse me. Um, opening day for the Nats was delayed due to the COVID nineteen. Uh, to positive COVID-19 results uh-huh. on the ball club. How has this hindered the team in terms of pitching rotation and their lineup? A lot, you know. <laughs> like, if, if you look at the list of guys who are out, it's uh, Patrick Corbin and John Lester. So that's your number three, number four starter uh, lineup. Uh, you have Schwarber, you have uh, Bell. That's probably would have been your four and five hitters. Um, you also have Josh Harrison, who is probably going to be your opening day uh, second or third baseman uh, since they sent uh, Kaboom down. Uh, you have Brad Hand, who is going to be your opening day closer. Um, you have both your catchers, uh, Gomes and Avila, were both out. Um, <clears throat> so they had to actually sign Jonathan Lucroy to be their number one catcher who was on the street like a week ago. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, unfortunately, that the COVID outbreak they had was really bad you know I, I in a way they got a little lucky that major league baseball let them postpone the entire Mets series and then get an extra day uh you know yesterday on monday to not play the Braves. so they had a little bit of time to get a roster together but yeah i mean they lost uh, you know i want to say it was nine ten guys from a 26-man roster that's pretty bad that'd be like you know if you had uh your football team lost 25 players off their 53 and and then had to fill it in on in in a week you know that's basically what the Nats were up against so you're listening um Kevin you no go ahead Wally I'm going to read you're listening to the urban sports scene right now we have talk Nats Kevin Nibley on the line uh, Kevin, you mentioned Jonathan Luke Roy. You know, during the break, Wole and you, you guys were kind of going, having a discussion about him. And sorry to take your question, Wole, but no I just problem, want man. to keep going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, 
Jonathan Lucroy came right off of the street, had two RBIs today. You know, I believe what was it in the second innings when yeah, he came up? He had the second, yeah, yeah. He had that clutch hit that was just fair down the third, down the, down the third baseline. Would you know, with all of the um, injuries slash illnesses? No, I mean, you know, that's the honest answer. He. If if uh, Gomes and Avila don't both uh, either get COVID or, you know, at this point, we don't know who has COVID or who was the close associates. Uh, they, they can't tell you uh, because of HIPAA laws, I believe. But but if, if both of their starting, you know, if, if their number one and two catchers didn't uh, go down, quote unquote, because of COVID, uh, you know, Luke Roy would not have been on the Washington Nationals and certainly would have been the opening day starting catcher, uh, you know, but when you look at him, I mean, he's a player who was an all-star. He was a really sought after catcher. He's great in Milwaukee. I, I want to say the Astros picked him up at a certain point. I mean, we're talking more like five years ago, but uh, you know, he was an all-star level catcher, you know, this decade. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, he's uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's just, it just, I, I think he's gotten a little older and, and he's been phased out a little bit, but uh, the Nats were lucky to have him today. Yeah, I, I, that's 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 my point. When we, when we were talking about it, and that's what came to mind for me, um, Kevin, is that you're talking about an all-star caliber catcher, and definitely all, offensively speaking, uh, when he was with Milwaukee. And for the Nats to get a guy that, to me, is a starter um, because of COVID, and you know now he, you got a starting quality catcher, which is hard to find in Major League Baseball. That's just on the street. And then you add that, and then you know you got a couple guys that who had COVID, who may have had COVID, like you say, we just don't know within the catcher's position, who are to me at this point in time in their career are more platoon guys, or, or maybe be yeah. guys that are like backup catchers on, on multiple teams that start for this organization. Now you got a guy that to me is a starter, and you can ha- you can use the other guys to back him up, and and he's now weak offensively with the bat, and this team has. And we've seen, as we saw today, this team has a bunch of offense with, you know, the way this lineup is with Soto, Robles, Turner. Um, You even got, you know, Castro. Like, you have so many guys who are capable of of putting up big runs. You got Ryan Zimmerman, who's going to be your backup first baseman. I mean, Bell hasn't even been able to play. So, to me, you got a guy like, you got a catcher like that within this offense. It kind of strengthens the whole lineup. It was a good pickup. I mean, and, and when you look at uh, Mike Rizzo, I mean, look at 2019. The team was struggling and just kind of off the waiver wire bargain bin veterans that other teams cast off. He got Gerardo Parra. He got Isdrubal Cabrera. You know, Rizzo's good at kind of finding uh, – I don't know if you ever seen the movie Moneyball. Oh, of course, where, uh, I love that movie. Yeah, where, where Brad Pitt. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah, where Brad Pitt goes to, to the actor playing David Justice, and uh-huh. he's like, "I want to just milk the last little exactly. bit of good baseball you have." That Mike Rizzo is good at that, and that's kind of what he's trying to do with Jonathan, or excuse me, Jonathan Lucroy right now. Um, you know, just milk that last little bit, mm. and 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 also too for these veterans. Yeah. you know, you put them on a competitive team, they get a little younger, they play a little harder. You know, um, so yeah, I mean. I don't want to get carried away after one win, but, you know, I, I was really happy with what I saw today. I mean, obviously it's not the lineup that they envisioned for opening day, but mm-hmm. it was lineup they had. But one thing I really liked was they took a lot of walks. They took, they took oh, balls. Yeah. They weren't swinging the stuff out of the zone. A lot of, you know, in those late inning rallies, 
a lot it happened because they didn't swing at bad pitches. They didn't beat themselves. They didn't get themselves out. They took their walks and they came up, you know, with the hits when they needed them. And and it was great because I mean they fell down. It reminded me a lot of that wild card game against Milwaukee, to be mm-hmm. honest. They fell down three nothing right away. Scherzer's giving up home runs, you know, and they battled their way back and it ended with a Soto hit, you know, kind of. And so, yeah, it was a great day today, for sure. And uh, you mentioned walks there. I kind of want to jump into that um, because you had a guy now pl- playing leadoff who typically was more down the lineup, but has the tools to play leadoff because of his speed. Uh, you, had, you saw Victor yeah. role plays play in, in, at leadoff position and I think it it forced him to be more patient at the at, at the plate because sometimes when you're depending on your position you if you're hitting the three or the four spot you feel like you have to be uber aggressive because you have to drive in mm-hmm. runs now he's at a leadoff spot he feels that he has to set the tone he has to get on base he has to be he has to give his give his teammates more opportunities to see see the see what the pitcher has to offer so I think yeah. this is pretty dope to have him as a leadoff guy because it's teaching him now how to be not to be erratic at the plate. How to how to now how to have that that batter's eye and be more patient at the plate. I think that's a great move by Davey. I agree. I mean, and, and honestly, when you look at this Nats team, uh, you know, if, if Victor can take uh, balls and can uh, have a higher on base percentage, of course they'd want to hit him lead off. Uh, the team would just be better with Robles at lead off, and then Trey, and then Soto, and then, you know, you have Bell and Schwarber maybe when they when they hopefully come back soon. Um, and that's like a pretty strong one through five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, yeah, so, so if Robles can improve his eye and get on base, I think that's a perfect fit. And I, I think that's what they've envisioned for Robles from day one. You know, eventually I think they were looking at him as a lead off, uh, you know, one or two hitter. Uh, but you know, he, his eye has, you know, his, his on-base percentage between his average and his walks hasn't quite been there. So that's why they've put him at the bottom of the lineup on some of their teams in, in the past. But, you know, this hopefully is a year for Robles to step up and, and, and take a lead off position for sure. So looking at the actual, the Atlanta game, um, so what caught your eye? What really surprised you in that game? Um, because I mean, obviously falling down, I mean, being behind three up, three nothing. You're thinking, uh oh, yeah. they can't. I mean, Atlanta's one of the strongest teams in all of baseball, to be honest with you. And then you're falling behind against this team. But like, what caught your eye? You know, I think what imp- I, the first thing that impressed me was they battled back. I mean, that's the kind of character you want to see. That's what helped them, obviously, in 2019 have a really special season. I mean, it would have been very easy. You know, I, I want to say, right, like uh, it was two solo homers in the first and then like another solo homer in the second. And maybe there's another yep. solo homer in the in the third. I mean, I think Max gave up four solo home runs in the first two, two or three innings. Uh, you know, it would have been easy to kind of pack it in and be like, well, half our team's out with COVID and, we're, you know, it's, this isn't our day. But, you know, they, not to be cliche, I, I don't, you know, but they quote unquote stayed in the fight. You know, I mean, you, you like to see that. They, <laughs> They battled back, you know, they stayed in there. Um, But in terms of what caught my eye, I mean, what impressed me today was their plate discipline. They did not beat themselves. They weren't swinging. You know, maybe the first couple innings, they were a little nervous. Uh, There were some bad swings. There were some non-competitive at-bats. But as the game went on, they weren't getting themselves out. They were taking pitches. They were taking balls. They were taking their walks. Um, Andrew Stevenson looked really good. Like, he looks like someone who maybe – if a spot opens up in the outfield, he could compete this year. Uh, for, he looks like someone who should be on the field. Um, 
And uh, yeah, no, I, I, the only other thing that surprised me is Atlanta has not looked really good the first four games. Mm-hmm. But granted, it's only four games out. I still think they are the team to beat in the NL East, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But, uh, you know, the first four out of 162, they haven't looked that good. Their bullpen looked really bad yeah. uh, today. Um, and, you know, their bullpen uh, was bad in Philadelphia, the first series. And so that surprised me a little bit. I, I thought the Braves, having lost to the Dodgers just barely in the NLCS, would have come out on fire to start the season, really take this division. But they seem a little slumpy right now. Yeah, I, I, when you look at uh, Atlanta, I mean, I, I, and, you know, it's hard to opening day or like the first not opening day, but the first like week of baseball, it's hard yeah. to judge a baseball team. Um, but I just felt I think I think I think the the, um, the Nats look really strong as, in terms of a whole unit. Uh, I was impressed with, like you said, the pace, the, the plate discipline. Um, I was mm-hmm. impressed with the resolve. Uh, I liked Stevenson. Like, I mean, you had Jay, uh, what's his name? F- FP, FP was hyping yeah. him up all day, uh, all day today saying he's a secret weapon uh, on the mass yeah, telecast, yeah. calling him the secret weapon. He had the big hit. Um, but he, he, to his point though, he was right. He hit everything hard. Um, he was on everything. Um, from left pitchers to left-handed pitchers to right-handed pitchers, he was on everything. Um, so you couldn't like you couldn't <coughs> go breaking ball over um by, uh, breaking ball over um, by him or a fastball by him. So he was he was on everything and he had everything on the nose. So yeah, this team does have the the capability and the the you know the stuff if they get the stuff to to me compete in the NL East. And I I know it's it's early like you said, but. You know, when you look at the Nats, they're going to always they're going to have pitchers. When you look at the the back of the baseball card and you see <laughs> what you have in Scherzer, Strasburg, um, 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 Corbin, even Lester. Like when you look at that, you say to yourself, you're going to be in you're going to be in multiple baseball games because at the end of the day, it's defense and pitching can keep you afloat. Offense will take you over the top. And they have yeah. the offense to me. Um, it's not an erratic offense. You got a stud in Soto. You got a stud in Turner. Um, you got a stud in. I mean, you got a guy that you hope to be a stud in in um, Robles. So you got uh-huh. you got weapons to 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 contend in the NL East, and you still and also you got the championship swag. Like you won a championship. Like all these that other teams can. Yeah. yeah, all these other teams can say they can say that, the, that like they're the, Atlanta's the favorite or this or the or the Mets look like they're up and coming mm-hmm. or whatever. But at the end of the day, the Nats have the swag. <laughs> yeah, no. Kevin, I, I, I do. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I do have one question for you before we wrap. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so, yeah, no, no. I, I agree with you. The Nats do have the swag. I mean, you know, a lot of people are high on the Mets this year, and and you know, obviously Lindor is a great player, and that was a good ad for them. And they made a couple of uh, other ads on the margin, uh, a catcher, and and in uh, the rotation with Carrasco. But you know, I, I, I to me, I'm honestly, I'll believe it when I see it with the Mets. You know, I mean, they, you know, this idea that that the Mets are going to run away with the NL East, which some writers have put out there. I, I don't quite believe that. I, I still think the Braves are the team to beat, but they look flawed to me. This, you know, it's only four games. I'm sure they'll get hot. You know, they're the Braves. They're an annoying team. I'm sure they'll be very good and get really hot. But right now I'm like, oh, wow, their bullpen's not good. Their bullpen, you know, all these guys are coming in, walking everyone, loading the bases mm-hmm. with walks. You know, I, they, I, you start to see some flaws. And, you know, this isn't really a year as a Nats fan where I'm expecting – to necessarily win the division or even the World Series, uh, you know, to me as a Nats fan, I would think this year would be, you know, wild card would be a great year for this team on paper. But you know, you look at it and yeah, I mean, they, they they've won it before and and uh, 
they've faced adversity and overcome it before. So, you know, in a way, maybe this whole COVID thing could end up being a positive for them. If they're somehow able to get through these first five or 10 games playing 500 or above, and then they start to get, you know, Bell and Schwarber and some, some better hitters back, then, you know, you could see them really maybe taking off. And then that would be an ideal. One last question for you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they mentioned the net defense. Um, I want to talk about one position specifically, that left field position. Um, the Mets, they made a uh, superstar, I'm not going to say, they made a key addition at that left field um, with Kyle Schwarber. Um, we know Kyle Schwarber historically hasn't been the greatest defensively, and he's been and he was slumping his last two years in Chicago. Do you see a situation where they kind of platoon in the left field with um, Stevenson and uh, Schwarber? It's hard to say. I mean, I think Schwarber's going to get uh, the, the he, like Schwarber's going to be the left fielder until he would screw up so badly that they'd have to start working Stevenson in more. Um, I, I do think Stevenson's a nice player, and I do think he's an interesting player, and I do think honestly it's better for the team because right now he's he looks like a pretty good fourth outfielder, and if he keeps hitting when you put him in. You know, he was great in 2020 and he looked great today. I mean, if he keeps hitting, then that puts – obviously, Soto is fine. No one's taking Soto's job. But if but if uh, Stevenson keeps hitting, you know, that does for Victor Robles or, uh, or for Kyle Schwarber, you know, they have to play better. You know, they can't be hitting 200, you know, or 220, you know, because then you might start losing some starts to Stevenson if he's playing well. Um, so, yeah, my answer would be I think Schwarber's going to get – every chance to succeed. And I think he will succeed. I think he had a bad 2020, but I want to say, I I think in 2019, he did pretty well, or at least 2018. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, I, I think Schorber would is, is what I felt like the Nats were missing last year. They didn't really have a lot of guys in the lineup uh, five to eight that could hit a three run homer, you know, and, and you just need that sometimes. I mean, they, they missed guys like Matt Adams, and, uh, you know, people they had in 2019 that, you know, everyone's, you know, every so often you just get a three-run bomb from your number seven or six or seven hole hitter. They didn't really have that last year. So I think Schroeder will get every chance. But uh, Stevenson's an interesting player. And I, I do think he is coming on in a way where they're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. Well, Kevin, before we let you go, and this has been amazing. It's been an amazing discussion. Before we let you go, what do you have uh, have featured on TalkNats.com, and how can folks catch you on social media? Awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, just go to uh, TalkNats.com. Um, it is the most fun best place to talk about the Nats, um, <laughs> as the title would suggest, uh, you know, on the internet, it's really fun. Um, and it's really in depth, you know, you go there, you might be a casual fan, you go there, you know, you spend a few days there, you'll like, know all the minor leaguers, you'll be really smart about baseball. Um, and yeah, for me, um, I post on talk Nats a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at K Nibley. And then I also have like completely nothing to do with sports. I have a it's called uh, Kevin and Brendan Give Notes. It's uh, on Twitter at give underscore notes. Uh, so if you like movies in addition to sports, check that out. And thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Kevin. You know, you, we're going to have you on all year all year round, pretty much. Cause, yeah. Awesome, man. Because we yeah. have to talk about oh, and we, next, and, Go, Will. And the next time you come on, I do want to discuss with you the Justice League 
Uh, oh yeah, yes, we was beefing about that. Exactly. I have, yes, maybe you could break you could break the tie. Yes, I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list of things. Please it's watch four, it because it's four and a half hours long. Kevin, right? It's like crazy. Hey, long. Kevin, I, Kevin, I, I need to dedicate a whole day. Kevin, to it, right? dedicate the day. We are gonna have to talk about this. All right, me, me and Will right, have next, been beefing about this. <laughs> all right, next time, next time, let me know and I'll, I'll watch it. And we, uh, we can we can talk about it. Awesome, sounds good. All right, thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. All right, take care, guys. Take care. Yeah. Okay. All right, but <laughs> that's Kevin Nibley from Talk Nats. Uh, you can follow uh, you can follow Talk Nats on Twitter at Talk Nats. All right, Baylor beat undefeated Gonzaga to win the college basketball national championship. We'll talk about this after the break. And listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. You dig? And I can say whatever. I would say I feel naked you say now. Whatever. Whatever. Say whatever. You what? don't feel naked, man. <laughs> don't feel naked. Change is good. Change, Change is, good. is good. Change, all right, man. All right, I'll catch you on the other side of, of, the, of the break. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds amazing. See, to live is to suffer. To survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can tear Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I got to get up. Get back on my feet so I can tear I've been through mad different faces, like Macy's, to find my way. And now I know that happy days are not far away. If I'm strong enough, I live long enough to see my kids. Doing something more constructive with the time than bitch. I know because I've been there, now I'm in there. Sit back and look at what it took for me to get there. First came the ball, the drama with my mama. She got on some flash, so I split. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T., and Ray Jeezy is out. We are part of Ampire Media. So, you know, make sure you check us out there. But uh, last night, I won't lie, Ray was right, but Ray's not here. Baylor dominated, then undefeated Gonzaga, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, 86-70 to in the NCAA College Basketball Nas- National Championship game. What were your thoughts of, uh, on Baylor's performance, Will T? Uh, Baylor's performance, they were dominant from the tip of the ball they ran gonzaga out of the gym um you know in college basketball there's usually this this theory amongst people who are experts they say that in college the better team wins yeah um at the pros the team with the better player or player Mm. wins um what we saw last night was the team was an anomaly we saw the team with the better play i mean we saw the team with the more athletic players. Yeah. Win. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was interesting because this was a, a a matchup that was in the making for two years now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Baylor last year, prior to uh, the elimination of the NCAA basketball season, uh, was number one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Am I correct, Wallet? I believe Wallet? so. I believe so. They were they were there. They were top. They were up there. One of the better teams. You're right. Yeah, but, yeah. They were one better teams. And Gonzaga, this Gonzaga team was. Uh, on the doorstep of making history. Yeah. Um, the first team since 1979, those 1979 Indiana State team that was led by Larry Bird to make it to the finals undefeated. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I, one, you know, I would have liked to see Gonzaga win because, you know, I, I thought that, you know, my hubris, my ego, of um, for my for ego's sake, because I thought Gonzaga would win the game. Two, I wanted to see history being made. But yeah. mm-hmm. Baylor wasn't having any part of that. Nah, nah. I think we both talked about it on when we were, when we were texting each other about, like, just basically Baylor had Gonzaga shook. And, you know, sometimes you can – it's funny. Like, sometimes – you can actually win a game within the first three minutes of a basketball game. And you can kind of tell how things are going to go. And, you know, Baylor played with a certain inten- intensity that, that Gonzaga couldn't match. Yeah, you're right, Will T. Um, it was definitely athleticism, but I just felt like Baylor just wanted it more. It just it was just more than just being athletic. It was just Baylor wanted it more. They, du- they, they, they played well defensively. I mean, rebounding. Like, they were tenacious in offensive rebounding. Um, they were just the better basketball team that day. And to be honest with you, you can say they were the better basketball team, period, because at the, the way they played that basketball game in the, the last two games Yo. in the tournament, um, they they played they played that they played strong. So looking at that situation, looking at how Baylor played in the national championship game and how they dominated well the semi championship, the semifinals, and how they played the national championship game, they were just ready for the, they were ready for that whole that whole the whole the whole the whole final four. And also, I think, you know, there is something about hearing, you know, hearing everything, everybody having Gazaga beat you. Gazaga's going to make history. You're, you're looking at Baylor like they chopped liver. They lost two games the whole season. I'm sure Baylor was looking at it like, bruh, they can't see us. Okay, you think they that much better than us? I'm going to show you. And because you to me, they just didn't they didn't just play, you know, with that whole Champ, trying to win a championship vibe. They played to to dominate. They played like they had an extra chip on their shoulders. Yeah, they came into that game as if they had something to prove, and they definitely proved it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to be interesting is next year. We know that uh, Gonzaga has Jalen Suggs, who's a projected top three or four player in the NBA draft. Um, will he come back, or will he go back, to, or will he go pro? Mm. But if he does come back. They definitely have a chance to make a run at another uh, NCAA championship because um, it's being reported that Chet Holmgren, who's the number one player in America, mm-hmm. will sign with Gonzaga. Yep. So if you have Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren, that's a pretty dynamic duel that uh, Mark Few has not had since he's been a coach at Gonzaga. Yeah, I know, and he. But it's right. That's true. But I think Suggs should go. I mean, I think you know. When you when your lottery's hot, you you got it. When your when your stock is hot, you gotta go. You know what I mean? Like there's some players who kind of messed up the bag. There's one that went to Maryland. Um, the point guard, I can't think of his name. What's what's his name again? The point guard from Maryland. Uh, who went to Maryland? Will uh, Mello Mello Trimble had a great yeah re- Mello Trimble. Yeah, he didn't come year. out. Didn't yeah. come out. Thought he would have a decent year in second year. So it depends, man. Definitely, you. I feel like you got to, you know, come out, come like leave when your stock is hot. But you know what? Speaking of Maryland, uh, Kudis Wahab has transferred to Maryland. Uh, he left Georgetown. Now he's, you know, he's going to, he's going to Maryland. He's going to the enemy. And right now we have Patrick Waring from the NBS Sports Hour podcast. What's good, Pat? Yo, yo, yo. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Doing good, man. Doing great, man. How are you? Hey, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Just trying to, uh, just trying to chill and relax a little bit, man. But uh, that, you know, definitely thankful to come on with you guys. Um, it's always fun. Oh, appreciate you, my man. So, Pat, 
want to get you on because you know you've covered the Hoyas, you you know you've spoken to Coach Hewing and whatnot. So kind of want to get your vibe on this. Um, it's been reported that Kudas Wahab, well, he's not reported, he is. Kudas Wahab is going to Maryland. He's transferring from, leaving Georgetown, going to Maryland. Why is this happening? Because he just had a great, he had a good year with Patrick Hill when he got better with Pat, and now he's transferring to Maryland. Like, what, what's what's going on? Yeah, man, like you said, I mean, he, he uh, entered the portal, and he decided to go to Maryland, and uh, it surprised me. I, I think it surprised everybody, really, from the outside, because, I mean, there there wasn't any talk about anything. There wasn't any issues that anyone at least knew about. Uh, he seemed he seemed happy, you know, uh, after the Big East tournament. Um, the guys went into the, you know, went into the big dance. Things didn't go their way in the first round. But, I mean, everything seemed like it was moving up. You know, coach, coach has always spoke highly of, of, of Q. Um, so it caught everybody off guard, man. I, I was literally sitting there chilling, got an email, a press release from Georgetown on uh, March 25th. And I had to read the joint like three times. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, so uh, it caught everybody off, man. So there's been speculation. There's been different talk about what, what possibly is the reason. Um, but we really don't know. We, you know, we um, um, no no really clear reason other than Q, Q must have felt like maybe he just needed to change the scenery. All right, Pat, let me ask you this. In terms of recruiting, does this latest transfer – hurt the perception of coach Patrick Ewing and what he's trying to build at Georgetown, because we know, you know, out on that recruiting trail, you know, it's a doggy dog world. Coaches will come in and they'll tell a kid anything, maybe even lie to get them uh, about, you know, if they know another school's recruiting them um, to get them to sign with them. So does this kind of make it easier for coaches or assistant coaches to plant a seed, within potentially Georgetown players, within potential recruits' mind, though, hey, look what's going on there. You had like five or six kids transfer. Uh, I don't think so with this situation. Like, well, with, with Q leaving, it doesn't look good if you, if you compare it to what happened last year, of course. Like you mentioned, guys left. Um, I think in this situation, because of basketball just in general, I mean, like, Check out that transfer portal, man. That joint mm. is growing daily. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, I, you know, I mean, if anything, you might look at our team and say, even though Q was a big piece, you may say, hey, we may be grateful to only have one in the portal or one that left. When you look at other teams, I mean, you got guys leaving out in bunches in some programs. So I don't think this one will. And then, and then not to mention, you look at, you look at people's reactions after this move. I mean, Maryland's happy, of course, because Maryland was able to land them. But if you look at other people, everyone else is just as confused. Everyone outside of the program was kind of just as con- confused and thrown off as people that are um, fans of the program or supporters of the program or people that cover the program. Um, I do want to start. I do. I probably should have said in the beginning, but I do want to make it clear to anybody that's listening. Um, I'm not upset with with cutest mm-hmm. um i was actually a fan of him when he came with you know with the team when he joined georgia you know, he played a couple of years i think at virginia academy with the flint mm-hmm. came to georgetown um so i was i was hoping that he was going to have a great career 
Uh, I still don't wish any ill will on him. You know, whatever his decision is, his decision. Uh, I've never been a guy that's that's kind of um, why um, I've never spoke out against the kids' decisions to either sign with a school or leave a school. I feel like there's a lot of things that work there, so I don't want to be a person that kind of you know get you know gets on kids for making those choices. But um, I don't think this one is is. I think this one's confusing for Georgetown, but I, I don't think no one's blaming uh, Coach Ewan. I think if anything with Coach, I mean, just speaking of, of Q, yo, I think he set things up for Q at Georgetown. Yeah. I think I think the way they played, you know, they made an effort to get him the ball. They played inside. I mean, Q, I mean, Q's a traditional big man, and I think Georgetown played through him. They tried to play through his strengths. If you listen to the way Coach talked, about him during the year uh, in the Big East tournament. I mean, he was really high on Q. You know, he talked about him potentially being one of the best big men, or if not the best big men. You know, it's kind of funny hearing it from Patrick Ewan, who yeah. is the best big man to ever play. But, I mean, he talked very highly of Q. So, I remember he had a game in December, um, the first game against St. John's that was here. I mean, he had Q had 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 blocks after the game. Uh, coach compared him to himself to Matumbo the morning. So, I mean, he's always spoke highly of him. Um, I just don't, you know, we just don't really know what's going on. Yeah, and that's the thing that's confusing. Um, it's that he did. I remember even in the tournament, uh, after, I want to say, when they reached the final, when they reached the um, Big East final, or maybe a little bit before, maybe even after, he said that Kudis was going to be, like, Kudis, if he can ha- have him for two more years, he even said this, if I can have Kudis for a couple more years, um, I can make, we can make him the best big, like one of the best bigs in the, the best big in the country. That's what you say. You make him the best, the yeah. best big in the country. And I was like, wow. And especially if you see Kudis the year before his freshman year, uh, you would say yeah, like what, what, uh, Hewen did what his staff did for him. He was 10 times better, like 10 times better, way more comfortable on the block. So I'm, I'm, I was confused too. I'm, I'm you're playing with. One of not just one of the best Georgetown centers of all time, just one of the best centers of all time, and you're getting to learn from that individual. And to your point, he tried to feature him. Um, he really did try to feature in in programs in college where big men aren't really featured. He was trying to feature the big man, which I'm kind of confused. You know, him going to Maryland, which is a different system of a different set. Um, where in Georgetown, where you know, coach would get mad when they didn't feed Kudis the ball. Like he would get mad, visibly mad, in terms of how they wouldn't uh, feature, give him the ball. Uh, with post with good passes in the post entry, so uh, it is like like you said, this is a confusing situation. Um, I, I I don't have any ill will towards Kudis. It's not like how I feel like about Matt McClung because I feel a certain way about Matt McClung. But Kudis isn't really. I'm kind of shocked with the Kudis situation. Um, but hopefully it'll work out for Georgetown. I've heard people say that maybe because of the class that he's bringing in, that Kudis may not factor in as much. I heard that because the class is going to be so this is going to be lack of a better term so lit that um Kudis may not they may be going a different way in terms of their offense i've heard that too so yeah i've heard a, you know a couple of different things there's been some things out there that are away from the court that could be possibly re- you know possible reasons why he left and then it could be things that happen on the court um you talked about the class coming in maybe maybe there's something with his role q has a um I don't know him personally, but uh, Q has a mentor or a guardian, and he's active on social media. the The timeline is interesting. So, 
mm-hmm. after the after the big dance and stuff, I think it was like March twentieth. His um his mentor tweeted out a couple different things talking mm-hmm. about uh Q getting back to work, and then like a little while later, he tweeted something about his performance during the year was overshadowed by the losing or or something like that. Mm. So that happened on the twentieth. Wow. So then on the twenty fifth, that's when Q hit the portal. And then on the third is when he announced he was going to Maryland. So everything kind of happened real fast. Mm-hmm. So we really don't, like you said, don't don't necessarily know exactly what happened there. But um, we'll see. You know, wish him the best. You know, in basketball, and then further, for you know, further from basketball as well. But um, we don't know, man. I guess you know. I think. I think the year, the way the year played out and the way they played through Q and the way the team played together and the way things are kind of going in a positive direction, this is like the last thing you really want to hear about a transfer, Yeah, especially a guy like him because of, because of his role going forward. But I think at this point now, you just kind of got to wish, wish him the best personally. And then Georgetown just has to figure out the next move from there, you know, whether it's in the portal, whether a guy steps up, whether it's through, you know, uh, unknown, you know, or uh, Igwefe is there, mm-hmm. you know. Does he develop more? What's going to be going on Maybe. with Wilson and then Matumbo's coming in? So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, I was I was just about to say that maybe Ryan Matumbo comes in yeah. and is the defensive stalwart that we all think like such a, like his father was. Yeah, he's little, he's little, he's more off athletic. He's more offensive minded than his, his father was. I tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, just watching some stuff on him. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna do he's gonna do more things away from the basket mm-hmm. than Dad did. But I mean, he's got some big shoes to fill. Definitely. You know, as far as Dad, I think he's actually joked around saying he's gonna be better than him, or or you know. So it's been kind you know some kind of playful talk with that. But mm-hmm. uh great class coming in. There's still some there's still some guys out there that they reached out to, and you know, in the portal, I think it's a big guy from Eastern Kentucky. Um, about six nine, I think Trey King. So there's some power forwards out there. You may not get the traditional center like you had in Wahab, mm-hmm. but you may get some other guys that they can put together. You got um, who is it? Uh, Wilson from George Mason's in the portal. I know they've reached out to him. Uh, Trey Mitchell uh, from UMass. So there's some different pieces out there. So uh, we, you know, we still got some time. And then you, you know, you, you never know. Unfortunately, because of this portal thing. Look at the teams that were in the Elite Eight, the Final Four championship game. You know, they haven't had a chance to decide what they're going to do next year either. So we could see some additions to the portal maybe, you know, between the end of this week and early next week as well. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully hopefully this doesn't hurt Coach Ewan because he had some momentum. Like Will said, I hope it doesn't hinder him with recruiting just because, you know, you had a couple guys, you know, leave and transfer and whatnot. But, and I hope that doesn't trickle down and folks will look at him like oh you know a rival a rival can state can say to say to the kid hey something going on georgetown you want to go there but i i, I still think coach Ewan has definitely got this team going on the right on the right on the right path uh he has his kids playing he has his kids playing hard they're playing the georgetown way and i know you know coach to me coach thompson would definitely be proud of what coach Ewing is doing so pat before i let you go how can our listeners catch your podcast and how and let our listeners know how they can catch you on social media yeah, if anybody wants to follow me or or um, reach out to me on social media, it's at Waring Patrick. That's W A R I N G Patrick P A T R I C K. Uh, and then the pod uh, is called the MBS Sports Hour. 
You can check us out at, at NBS Sports Hour. We talk everything from sports, music, movies, TV, culture, anything. So definitely check us out, man. I appreciate it. Hey, Pat, man. Thanks for being on. We're going to talk to you some more, some more man, especially since you're on the music. We're going to talk about DMX, products from DMX later on. Hopefully everything is good with D. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Like I said, man, I appreciate you guys. You guys always been good to me, man. So um, anytime I can come on. I definitely will. Oh, no problem, man. Stay blessed. All right. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Hey, subscribe. Hey, that again, that was Pat Patrick Waring. So make sure you uh you you follow him on follow and the NS the NBS Sports Hour on Twitter. I mean, also again, you can follow Pat at uh, at Waring Patrick um on uh tw- at Twitter on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And check out the new home of the Urban Sports Scene at Empire, Amp, excuse me, Empire Media at EmpireMedia.com. Uh, man, it was great. great. I appreciate everybody for listening in. Appreciate the, all of our guests. And, we, you know, Will T and I, we appreciate everybody for helping us create a, a great show tonight absolutely man we appreciate all anyone who listens to the show either streaming live or who downloads the show oh before i go i know here you go DMX yeah dmx yeah 1997 mm-hmm. i'm at my barber shop yeah which at the time was on marlboro pipe mm-hmm. in district heights maryland oh, yeah in the barber shop getting a haircut this guy, like three guys coming. One of the guys was medium built, not really that tall, mm-hmm. with the most distinct voice ever. Comes in, says, I can't even impersonate his voice. Yo, dog. Oh, yo. <laughs> DMX came into the barbershop. Oh, At the time, he was talk, telling everybody about how he was recording his album because what you you may or may not know he actually recorded a lot of his first album Here. in capitol heights maryland oh i know it's capitol heights i, want, I thought um, it was baltimore okay all right no nah, it was in capitol heights maryland dope. Right. um comes in telling everybody oh i'm the next i'm next new shit i'm hot yada 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 everybody's like yeah whatever get the hell out of here <laughs> right whatever <laughs> Fast forward to, I think it's like March or April of 1998. Um, no, well, um, into, uh, you know, the, the, you know, December of December, January, February of, 90, yeah. of 98, right? 97 into 98. Yeah. All, all you start to hear is where my dog's at on the mm-hmm. radio. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> And everybody, you know, just for, for like the next year, everybody was just talk, was just talking about, you know, how he came to the barbershop and everybody kind of wrote him off. So that was dope. That's was dope, dope. And I hope the dog pulls through. Yeah, man. We we all do, man. Everybody who, who who's a fan of rap, man. I think it's you hope that he pulls through. Anybody's a fan of people, man. You just hope this dude pulls through, man. For real talk, because um, like you said, everybody has, you know, people like to ill on an addiction or a problem. Everybody has a, some sort of a problem. You mentioned cell phones. Some people have an issue with drugs. Some people have issues with alcohol. Some people have issues with like just common behavior. To be honest with you, um, so 
to me, this is something, I mean, you know, I don't yell on an individual that's fighting things with the, within their demons, right? There's, everybody's fighting something. So you just hope that, you know, DMX pulls through and, you know, and hope you pray for his family because obviously it's a tough time for them. Um, you know, not just, you know, the fans of DMX, but definitely look at the fa the family. The family is definitely going through it. So you pray for them as well, man. But we, anything we, if anything, we know that DMX is a fighter. Um, he's a guy that, you know what I mean? He puts his passion in everything. Hopefully he has a passion to pull through this. And we, anyway, we appreciate everybody for listening. You've been listening to the urban sports scene. For ages. You dig? Deuces. Yeah, okay. Now, now I get my deuces. All right. Appreciate you see, all, man. See, see how that, see I appreciate how that, you. Uh, Look, I see what you did. I see the smoother. change. I see the yeah, flow. I told you, man. I see the flow, man. I see the flow. I would say Mega lead us out, homie, but I'm a, we're going to let DMX lead us out. All right. Deuces, folks. Just for talking shit, clowns. Oh, you think it's funny? Then you don't know me, money. It's about to get ugly.